Hey, I'm Dwayne. And I'm Jennifer. And together we're doing a podcast, Roots. The Unseen Life. Come on a journey with us. You'll produce a system of roots that will stabilize you and... Produce fruit. We're going somewhere. Come along with us. Hey, guys. We're back. We're back. Welcome to Roots. I want to welcome you guys back to Roots, the podcast. What's the tagline, Jen? Roots, the Unseen Life, Dwayne. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, okay, no. Oh. No, no, we're not calling me Jenny. That is not my name. My wife doesn't like that name, so we only use it in certain times. Go on, Dwight. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I could throw reward under the bus right now. He visited us a couple weeks, but I won't. Well, no, you're already halfway in. <laughs> Go for it. I had a, I had a shirt that, that was, uh, what's it say? It said, um, Shroot Farms Bed and Breakfast. Yeah, so he, he got that stuck in his head. And so when he was talking about Jennifer and I at our church here in Denver, he called me Dwight. And what did he call you? No, I was Jennifer. You were Jennifer and I was Dwight. It was, I like it. It was funny. So we had a good laugh about it. But uh, I'm super excited. Um, as you know, we're kind of going back and forth between the wisdom of Dwayne and Jennifer on one podcast, and then we're opening the doors and having other wisdom shared. And so we have an amazing friend, um, Alan Hood's jumping in with us today, and uh and so, uh, you want to introduce Alan? Well, okay. I, Alan and Rachel were our neighbors for years and years and years, two doors down. And, but we met you, Alan, in 98, when we first moved to Kansas That's City. Right. We were <clears throat> um, Grace Training Center Bible School students, and you were the, you were the district pastor over the school, right? That's right. The yeah. dean of students and district pastor. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he was more for us. He was the dean of students. Yeah. But we developed a friendship from there. And then our years in IHOP. I mean, Alan, you have been, you know, your humility is, is your, it's a hallmark character trait, in my opinion, your humility, your love for the Lord, and you're very intelligent and well-read and studied and all of that. But you care so deeply for individuals. And so you allow people to ask you real questions and you can you can dumb it down and get on their level, so to speak. And I just I mean, I have appreciated that because your intellect definitely far surpasses mine. Well, it's and you, not that hard. Well, but. right. But you're able to <laughs> step into multiple contexts. And I just I love that about you. No, I appreciate that. Dwayne, anything you want to say or no? Well, no, I think just, <laughs> I think, you know, I, when I met Alan, he was the dean of students. You'd, you'd been through a seminary in Asbury College. Um, so you had the theological um, training, but you longed for the presence of yes. God, the prophetic revival. Is yes. that kind of, what brought you to Kansas the City? The absence of arrogance. Well, it, it was, you know, it was the church there and. You know, if I was to be totally honest, it would be how the Lord spoke to Rachel and I. Okay. You know, gave us dreams and a series of events that unfolded to where we found ourselves walking away from everything to trust that God had led us to KC. Yeah. Wow. And this, you know, this church that had been going for six hours a day and prayer meetings and how the leadership team based their ministry on this life of prayer and intimacy with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you remember back in those days, it was passion for Jesus and compassion for people, yeah. the big yep. banners, that yep. the, you know, Metro uh, Christian fellowship led by Mike Bickle. And so the Lord led us there. We walked away from everything and 
remember meeting you guys right away and you were already gathering people and and uh, ministering to others and you had been on the mission field for many years and with YWAM and and you were longing for the same thing yeah. really yeah. Yeah. how can we do intimacy and prayer at the very core yeah. of our expression of an abandoned life to Jesus and yeah. so it was it was such a delight i remember those early days and your i think it was called soup you had a soup yeah. night yeah. and you would gather all the students and and minister to them and just join hearts and and then of course we lived next to each other and i think Dwayne and i you know intermingled different jobs in ihop about uh -huh. you know 20 times we would switch roles and and uh it was just really a sweet sweet friendship yes. yeah with Amen. you guys where you could laugh one moment just like you're doing in your podcast right now this is people this is who they are <laughs> they're the funniest people on the planet it's not it's not uh any type of uh you know lack of sobriety they're just genuinely some of the smartest and wittiest people you've ever met and don't you ever get into a wit test with jen roberts <laughs> absolutely severely pay for it absolutely and uh, and so but they are they move right from that quick wittedness and laughter and humor to a depth of faith sacrifice abandonment to the lord and it's been a friendship where we laughed and cried and provoked one another yeah. to love jesus more and so yeah it's just been a joy to have deep friendship for wow been. 20 yeah. what is it 22 years now yeah yeah, yeah. and our it, kids I raised know. our kids together yeah no, the the hood boys raised my son basically. Yeah, Elijah you talks know. about he needs to send them a Father's Day card. <laughs> Elijah is going to be the toughest kid on the planet. Absolutely. He he had the wit to go head to head with three older boys, yep. and then they they showed him the ropes. No, but no, I, I, good, I mean, good and bad, unfortunately. Oh, but no, that's, but that's but raising I, kids. No, but yeah. I loved it, man. I just have vivid memories of Elijah running in, grabbing something. Where are you going? I'm playing with the hoods. And boom, he's out on the street. And they, the hoods have three boys and Elijah is our youngest. And it was just an amazing, I mean, it was phenomenal for him. Yeah, for but sure. But just so everyone knows, the two Roberts girls did rule the roost <laughs> and they could take on all the boys in the neighborhood Absolutely. easily. And Chloe had the quick wittedness and Sydney had the brute strength to back <laughs> Chloe's wittiness up. So we had all the dynamics. All we the could dynamics. tell you stories forever. Totally. Yes. That's what doing life together with yes. Jesus is all about. Yeah. You know, I know you're sharing wisdom, but if people had come in for, you know, 18 years of our lives living right next to each other, the wisdom that we lived together right. was far more profound than the sound bites we'll get today. That's so true. And that equity and currency of loving Jesus together. Yeah. Um, has compounded interest. Like I'll, I'll be honest, I went out with my son yesterday uh, up into the mountains and Joshua was talking about Elijah, hmm. how blessed he is. Elijah knows where he's going and what he's going to do with his life. And, and it really blessed Joshua. Joshua's carried Elijah in his heart and yeah. prayed for him. And I thought, where do you go on earth where you raise kids together and they pull for one another? Yeah, yeah. That's so just true unbelievable so true and uh you know your son calls me dad my second dad <laughs> totally you know he's half teasing and half serious yeah. totally. it, it's just sweet mm -hmm. For sure. it's just precious yeah. you know and my kids adore you guys 
And so this could easily slip into a parenting, uh, uh, really. Uh, That'll be the next one. You know, because we we did it together. Yeah. And right and wrong and learned and it's that's what's so enjoyable about the mercy and love of God that covers us mm-hmm. in community. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have raised my kids without you guys speaking into their lives and my kids really feeling loved by other mature abandoned believers for jesus yeah it's huge and it's just amazing the different words we've given each other's kids and celebrated and it's it's awesome it is awesome and and you know one last thing i i think about rachel and my friendship with her and and in some ways rachel and i are an unlikely pair We're, we're our gift mix is so different and I remember the Lord spoke to me so vividly and he said, you can trust Rachel. She's going to be your friend. And yes. it just created an intentionality on my part um, because we, you know, we transitioned from the mission field and I didn't know where I was. I, I felt lost in America. I was readjusting to my own culture and to my own people. And the connection with Rachel and her loyalty and her forthrightness and her ability to champion me, you, our kids, your kids. I mean, she's a godly woman with deep character and no nonsense. There's nothing fake about Rachel Hood. And I just. She's just a lover. Like Jen, you would be preaching before stadiums and Rachel would be the most happy armor bearer. Absolutely. private intercessor yes. Yeah. Yes. and when you get off the stage as the enemy's trying to tell you how hard yeah. you know how horrible it was rachel would be right there just knocking that yes. that barking dog down and Absolutely. telling you that was the best message you ever heard and really meaning it yeah. yes and and be amazed at your gifting and celebrate it yes and yes. so uh and then she would hold your your dearest thing secret yeah and and my wife is amazing. It's, is. it's awesome. The different giftings in God. And when we can really not compete and celebrate one another, oh, why, can't, that, why, can't you be, why can't you be more like Rachel? <laughs> I'm really trying to wait. Oh, no. I'm really trying. Man, I get off the platform and she gives me five. Hey, hey Jen, I could you have can reach him. Just a quick backhand. That's all it Boom, takes. Right. <laughs> no, I get off the platform and she's got five ways. I could have been done it better. Right. Well, I'm calling you higher, hon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's so many things that I could, that I just feel like, you know, that we could talk about. Yeah. But Alan, give me, um, uh, for those of you who would say, hey, I feel called to ministry. Um, Alan, from our last 22 years together, just give boom, 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 uh, or just even boom, I don't mind, <laughs> of this is what I learned in the last 20 years of being a leader in a place in the Bible, in the Word, just from a, here's what I've learned. Just give us one or two of those, and then we'll get to yeah, the topic we want I'll, to talk about. I'll say, about. you know, right off the bat is Matthew 9 is Jesus' last chapter before he anoints his disciples with power, and they're going to start their ministry, and he slips in these last three lessons right before he anoints them with power. And so as leader, when you said leadership, I always think of that chapter. And the first one is, is that, Jesus uh, appoints leaders according to mercy, not Mm -hmm. according to gifting or charisma or talent. And because he calls Matthew, he waits to choose Matthew, the tax collector, as the last disciple. 
and you're, you're like, wait a minute, why would you choose? I mean, the scandal of that. Yeah. yeah. He waits till last. Yeah. And that's because he wants to lay the foundation that he delights in mercy. And he doesn't call us and appoint us according to our gifting, our performance, but according to his radical mercy and love. Can you imagine Matthew goes from being one of the most hated men in all of Israel to sitting with the 12 and he's going to rule over everything on one of the 12 uh, thrones, judging over all things with Jesus and his name will be written on the foundation of the new Jerusalem in a moment. In a moment, he's yeah. done nothing. That's mercy. And so he calls us according to his mercy. And and we've got to remember that the whole way through. Yeah, that's Because true. you and I both know you hit 50 and you look back and you go, oh, I wish I would. I wish. Mm-hmm. And, and the Lord whispers again, hey, just like the Shulamite in chapter 8, she's about to become very fruitful. And Jesus says, hey, wait a minute. I wakened you under the apple tree. Yeah. In other words, before you did anything, yeah. I started this. Yeah. I loved you then. Yeah. And I think as a leader, you've got to keep that in view that his love, his pervasive love and mercy lays the foundation. The second one is he he's confronted, why didn't he teach his disciples to pray and fast to fast? And and he responds to him and basically says, I'm going to addict them with my presence before I lead them into religious methodology. So good. And so, it, you know, one day they'll fast, but it's after I've left. I'm the bridegroom. I'm with them. And so Jesus uh, empowers, you know, he brings forth or he grows his leaders through fascination. And I think that's been the joy with you guys is we, we maintain our fascination uh-huh. of Jesus. Yeah. Who he is, the way he leads us. Uh, we don't do this out of rote discipline. Right. We don't do this out of performance. We do this because we've been laid hold of by the unbelievable grace, power, love, humility of the Lord Jesus and his person and work has captured us. Yeah. And that's why Paul said, the love of Christ compels me. I'll go anywhere. Right. Five minutes with Jesus. I'll go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I'll go to Rome. If they don't kill me in Rome, I'll go to Spain. If they don't kill me in Spain, I'll discover the new world for that man. You know, and Peter was crying out in Jerusalem, repent. Yep. Because if you do, the father will send Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so it's a discipleship is a life and leadership is a life that, that should display fascination and love for Jesus. Yeah. And then, and then third is he empowers it, you know, pray through the pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'd raise up labors. And the third one is he empowers his leaders through prayer. And so I think of that mercy, fascination, and prayer. And, I, and we had the wonderful privilege at IHOP to learn those three things. Absolutely. Really. Yep. And to be confident in love yep. and to not apologize. I don't think Jesus is boring. I don't think the Bible is boring. I don't think ministry's boring. Yeah. I really think it is an invitation into the heart of Christ where he blows our minds. Amen. And uh and I, I'm just so honored and privileged to get to know him and love him in this life. And and then we get the higher privilege, which is to love him together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what friendships are for. And so anyway, I, I would say that. Yeah, I could say a lot good. more. Yeah. And then, sure. you know, if he's because if you're not fascinated with Jesus and you don't know it's mercy, and you don't know it's empowered by prayer, 
man, you, you guys know, uh, if he's not your reward, yeah. if he's not the reward of this thing, yeah. man, ministry is a nightmare because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> at any given moment, half yeah. the people you serve don't want you yeah. and are angry at you. Yeah. And then if you, and, and then if you wait long enough, those people will begin to like you and the ones that liked you will change their mind. hundred percent. So there's a, what any given moment in ministry, a certain percentage think you're not the one God sent. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? How yeah. do you love people right. like that? Right. And so, you know, I see this humility and unwavering fascination of Jesus with his father where he could have disciples and literally Love them. He gave them nicknames, uh-huh. you know, sons totally. of thunder. You're the rock. And he goes up on the, I, I love Luke's a little more spiritual. He's, it says he went up on the mountain all night and prayed and then picked his disciples. Mark is just nitty gritty. Mark goes, he went up and prayed and then he chose who he wanted. And, and, uh, <laughs> and then I go, yes, Jesus chose who he wanted. Uh-huh. Then gave them nicknames. And they feel so comfortable and loved by him that they can argue over who's the greatest for six months in front of him. Wow. Can you imagine us arguing in front of Mike Bickle for Uh -uh. six months? Why (laughs) one of us should have the job and you shouldn't. Totally. No, it's huge. And he just is so kind. And so I would say that fourth thing or the thing that undergirds all those three is that Jesus is just so kind. Yeah. Yeah. He's such a kind leader to us. Yeah. He covers a multitude of sins. He sees things in the future that we can't see. We define ourselves by our latest struggle or failure or people's thoughts about us. And Jesus goes, I see you a billion years from now ruling and reigning over the new heavens and earth. And you're going to make it. Yeah. You're going to be okay. Yeah. And I'm arranging even the trouble to produce love in your heart and humility. And when you see Jesus, see, Jesus is not only highest revelation of the Father to us, he's the highest revelation of us to the Father and to us. Uh So when you see that kind, sweet, gentle leadership, you go, you know what? I want to be like this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Who in the world is God? Yeah. Who's like this? Amen. Who can be this strong and kind? Right. And so those, anyway, that's a long answer. No, it's a good answer. I, I think. I think, I think we've learned that over the years, uh, even in our journey, walking it out that, man, there's no one like Jesus and he's got to be our great reward. Right. Right. Or this ministry, I tell you what, loving him is joy, serving him among the body. That's tough stuff. It is. And so you got to keep that because, you know, you said yes to Jesus and then you got tricked and got one another, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm great with Jesus is the one another part that's yeah. tough. Yeah, because yeah, they so, bite. Uh, anyway. Yeah, for sure. So um, I, I, I want to, I br- we'll bring Alan on again. Um, and I actually, I threw this out to you, but I'm going to say it live that actually, Alan, I want to do a leadership uh, course with you. I think. Um, Love to. I think it'd be fun, but. Um, because there's so much that I have learned in my in, even in my 20s, but then mm-hmm. in, in YWAM in Europe, but then unto what is kind of leaders is God looking for in the earth today, and it kind of just leads us into 2020. What the heck? 
2020, what's going on? Right. Uh, um, uh, we were, Jennifer and I were just up in Washington State, and we had a, I'm not sure actually where, where our friend is at in his faith. I'm just, I don't know where he would land today. We never went to that. But he said three times in our conversation, it's apocalyptic what's happening. And this guy sure. is, this guy's really intelligent. Um, he's, he's studying. He goes, Florida, in the next 15 years, half of it's going to disappear. New, you know, just, he's, he's looking at it from, you know, global warming to culture to politics. And so it's just interesting. So I want to hear some of your thoughts on, on what is happening. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody had 2020 vision. Life's going to be amazing in 2020. We're looking down the road. And all of a sudden, February, March hits, and and we've just been, you know, in a blindsided, blindsided, a whirlwind. And so, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. And we haven't, you and I haven't talked a ton even about this. So I'm excited about this conversation. So I'll correct you guys as you go, just to keep you on on task. Appreciate that. Thank you, Jim. We appreciate that. You know, I saw a meme that was was really funny about 2020. It said. Just when you thought 2020 couldn't get any worse, and it was Patrick Mahomes goes to the New England Patriots. <laughs> He's holding up, you know, the best quarterback in football goes to the New England Patriots, who everybody loves to hate. And so, you know, uh, but, you know, I, I'm going to give an answer and I'm going to qualify it with, you know, I'm in the same weak place as everyone else trying to figure it out. I have been in an intense season of reflection yeah. uh, since. February and March, um, you know, 2020 was supposedly going to be the great year of the church kind of uh, dominating over everything. Yeah, all the stadiums would be filled. Dot 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 dot. And it feels like to me that the Lord has actually, you would imagine, with 2020 related to vision, the Lord's really given us uh, a. Um, is trying to give us restored eyesight yeah. perspective. It's really a, cor- a course correction year. Mm-hmm. It's where the Lord is putting, uh, putting the mirror to the church. Mm-hmm. And I would say it this way, he's indicting us in some things and he's inviting us into some things. Mm-hmm. You know, you usually hear that it's either all good or all bad, but I, I think it's both an indictment on some things and some invitation. You know, when this began, we should take note. This is an unprecedented global shutdown. This has not happened in our day. Right, the likes right. of which we can only go back to World War One and Two. Mm-hmm. There's been nothing like this. And so for God to, uh, for a global village to have a shared experience mm-hmm. and to bring the the world economy to its knees. God is always saying something in that. Yeah, for sure. You know, and so uh, I would say the first place I went to was Luke 13, because you and I both know the propensity of the human heart is that when tragedy comes and crisis comes, we look for our verses that kind of bolster our comfort. Yeah or embolden our narrative. Absolutely. And so I think one of the shocking things in 2020 was the indictment of the multitude of many opinions. Yeah. I mean, it, suddenly everybody was talking and giving their opinion of what COVID is, what it's not, what's this, what's that, 
what God does, God doesn't do sickness. God does. I mean, it was just the multitude of voices. And I even threw my, you know, hat into the ring. I threw out, I released an article that I'd written about America standing at the critical juncture and the Lord immediately in uh, the Holy Spirit provoked me and said, Alan, uh, would you just, would you just stop talking? Would you listen? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think for me, it was, I went to Luke 13. I, I had to go to the words in red. You know, you have to go to scripture. Yeah. The multitude of opinions came up so fast that I was, I was, everybody was running to every prophetic list and vessel. What's going on? What's, and that's because the, the, the crisis was so severe. Right. Now right. it's a matter of life and death. Right. Now, and we've seen nothing like this. We've never lived through a plague in our generation. Right. And so immediately, everyone's looking and panic, and then the leaders are talking. Mm-hmm. And so it's just with the multitude of voices that I, I had to stop. And uh, the quarantine became my gift to go to the scriptures. Yeah. And I always go to the words of Jesus because he doesn't say things that, that are normal. You know, he just, <laughs> he, he, he always throws a curveball. And in Luke 13, he addresses both a natural disaster and political oppression. Little did we know in a few months after COVID started, we would be in the middle of a racial, right. you know, uh, divide. And, and an indictment on political oppression and what that means, you know, and, and, um, and here we are with wildfires, you know, some six, seven months later. And so there's this real sobriety. And I went to Luke 13 and Jesus is brought into a conversation about a crisis. And there the disciples are doing what we did going through COVID, which is they're all giving their opinions. Mm -hmm. And Jesus turns because that's what we do. We immediately turn to a theological, religious, or political opinion to justify our stances, to do damage control to our hearts. Anything from touching the pain of what we're going through. False comfort, false bravado. And so from every sector of the body, we begin to hear this. You know, from the my sector, the charismatic prayer movement, it was the evil ones trying to prevent stadiums from being filled. So we had large prayer events to drive back the evil ones so our stadium events could happen. Uh-huh. You know, then you had the, the sacramental church going, hey, this is God trying to move us into embodying the gospel and caring for the sick. The missional church said, God's exposing the mega church reality and we need home groups <laughs> and small churches. Mm-hmm. And so you had, and then you, of totally. course, you had the revivalist kind of dominionist sector of the body going, God didn't send this, and we're going to use this to basically break out revival and clear the hospitals. Yes. And we're looking at all that, and hardly any of it's happened. Right. If we're just honest. You know, and so in the midst of all that. I think you've actually really capsulized what the mainstreams and how they've responded. Absolutely. And I think if you guys didn't get that, just push rewind to go back. Yes. Because I think we that that's a good capital. You've, you've, according you to it. our denominations and faith cultures, yep. get up in times of tragedy, we get on our soapbox, mm-hmm. yep. and we use it to bolster our own narratives. Mm-hmm. But we don't listen. We don't stop. And Jesus cuts right through the multitude of opinions. And he, he, it's a bizarre, I mean, it seems so unpastoral. 
do you think those who died were any worse sinners than you? What? Just Jesus give us turns. Luke Luke 13 what? Just so we we got Verse it. 1 to 9. Okay. Okay. He turns the corporate tragedy into a personal confrontation. Mm -hmm. Do you think they were any worse sinners than you? And and I found the Lord indicting me and going, Alan. You've joined the you joined the dialogue, but you haven't you haven't done a, a couple things. You haven't let the pain of the situation touch you. Do you think you're any worse sinners than them? Yeah. Do you think you're not in the same common predicament as them? Do you think you couldn't perish like them? And, and so it's kind of like when Joel stands up after the locust plague and goes, hey, I, I know you got your multitude of opinions and your rebuilding strategies, but has anything ever like this happened in our day? Mm -hmm. Has it happened in our father's day? Mm -hmm. And basically, Joel is standing up and going, guys, you have a multitude of opinions, but you haven't connected your heart to what's happened. Yeah. The nation's devastated. Right. The crops are bare. There's no seed left for next year's crops. The the everything's on fire and the cattle are dying. We're in trouble. Right. Connect your heart to the pain. Stop your multitude of opinions and rebuilding strategies and buffering yourself from the pain. We're in trouble. The world's in trouble. Connect your heart. And I think when we don't do that, we jump right to the solutions and we don't rend our hearts before God. Amen. We don't do the personal inventory. We don't stop. And I, I think the eyes, I'll, I'll say it this way. I think the first indictment with the multitude of opinions in 2020 was an indictment of the hardness of our heart, yeah. our unwillingness in the crisis to be quiet and to do what Jesus said. Do you think you're any worse sinners than them? No, but unless you repent, you will perish. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, use the tragedy to connect your heart to the pain. I, I mean, and then use it as a time of reflection and repentance. Yeah. Because Christians are dying too in COVID. Yeah. Yep. It's not just unbelievers. No, absolutely. Touch, <clears throat> connect your heart to the pain. And, and, and what happened to me at the very beginning was as I realized how cold my heart is. Mm -hmm. We can just talk about tragedy through our own soapbox, right. our opinion, use it to leverage it for the gaining of our ministries. And I've got this, I, I found myself uh, wrestling through the opinions rather than weeping over literally hundreds of thousands that died. At that point, when the Lord first spoke to me, only 25,000 in America had died. Yeah. But I hadn't wept once. Yeah. And they died alone. They, they died alone. Horrible I had deaths. never wept for them, yeah. but I've, I'd opened my mouth and given an opinion. Yeah. And I don't think the mouth should speak before the eyes weep. I don't uh -huh. think it. Uh -huh. There is nothing worse than a really clear opinion mm -hmm. from a cold, unmoved heart. Yeah. And that's what I felt like at the beginning. God was indicting us of our cold hearts our prayerlessness. And I realized, I don't know how y'all feel, but I have these, I have this whole new filing system in my mind called crises. Uh -huh. 
uh-huh. lone shooters, you know, uh, terrorists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. natural disasters. Yep. And I just, I, I get shocked for a minute and then I follow them away and I go on with my opinion and my agenda. Mm-hmm. And we don't let the pain touch us. Mm-hmm. That we live in a fallen world where we have we have a shared fallen experience with believer and unbeliever alike. Mm-hmm. And we don't weep about it. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we don't even cry over the predicament. You know, probably 800,000 have died without knowing Jesus, at least, mm-hmm. from a horrible death. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't even touch us. Right. And I felt like the Lord was indicting us of our detachment from a cold heart. Really, and if you look up what Jesus says about a cold heart, it's terrifying. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. Divorce is from a cold heart, Jesus yep. says. <clears throat> the destruction of relationships, mm-hmm. unbelief. It says the wrath of God is coming because of the coldness of heart, mm-hmm. the hardness of heart. And I found the Lord going, Alan, you need, I just gave you a gift called quarantine to get in touch with the coldness of your heart. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I think for me, I begin to course correct going, oh my gosh. And if I was in the middle of that reflection and seeking the Lord, I felt like the Lord was indicting me. And, and, and some, I think the church on a number of areas. And the first one I would say is a cold heart. And then every, what happened is at least in America, uh, everything with the disease was politicized right. and weaponized and everybody was nar- narrative was not through a Luke 13 use it as a time of reflection right and repentance it was if you're a republican it's a conspiracy and they're exaggerating it uh-huh. for a leftist agenda and get trump out of office right if you're a leftist it, it's it's that look of those people that don't care about the sick and aren't doing anything right. it, it was all weaponized yes. for an election year yes and I felt like it was an indictment of the church's givenness to politics rather than willingness to hold the New Testament church mirror in front yes. of us to so see good. if we really love the gospel, love our neighbor, and and, and love uh, the ways of the Lord. Yeah. Or are we worldly? Mm-hmm. Are we hardened? Mm-hmm. And so now we got debates on whether COVID's real. We, we got sidetracked. Totally. It's the enemy, and I felt like what Jesus gave us in Luke 13 was the strategy of the enemy to get us into the public arena of debate and opinions rather than personal reflection yeah. that leads to love and fruitfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Because the next parable at, uh, after this, Jesus says, I looked for fruit, but I couldn't find any. So I gave it one more year. But after that year, if it doesn't produce fruit, I'm going to yank it up. Yeah. Which Jesus says, tragedy comes to put the mirror in front of us because God wants to make us fruitful and get our attention. And he can't. Yeah. The yeah. tragedy gets our attention for a moment. And then he gave us leave or quarantine to actually search our hearts. But I'm afraid it indicted us of our hard hearts, mm-hmm. our prayerlessness, mm-hmm. And I mean an engaged, connected, emotional, empathetic prayer for the world and the state it's in, that Jesus would redeem it and the gospel would go forth. 100%. You know how many 
solemn assemblies I attended on the Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I only heard one person pray with tears. Hmm. Most of it was for the election. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even today, most of our solemn assemblies right now are who's going to win the election, not whether the church is going to reflect and repent Absolutely. and turn back to God. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, it's... And, and I'll, I'll, I'll just touch a, a, a few more, and that is, and then I'll, I'll, I want to hear your thoughts. I felt like the Lord indicted us on our unwillingness to truly reflect and truly repent. We don't like repentance. Mm -hmm. Every church I know was preaching on you need to overcome fear. And, and for a minute there, I felt like the Holy Spirit say, hey, be careful. You don't want inordinate fear, right. but you need the fear of the Lord right Amen. now. We don't like words like repentance and the fear of the Lord, uh -huh. but the fear of the Lord's clean. You know, it says he gives us secrets to those that fear the Lord. Yeah. Yes. Paul said the fear of the Lord assists us in holiness. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, Jesus said it cried out in the garden of Gethsemane with fear. Yeah. And God heard him because of his godly fear with yeah. tears. He cried out. And God heard him because of his godly fear. If Jesus needed godly fear for tears, yeah. we need it too. Amen. And so I, I just felt like, um, I'm going to be honest here. I felt like we got indicted because of our prayerlessness. Mm -hmm. You and I, Dwayne and Jen, you know, in the last 10 years, five to 10 years, there's been a whole movement that we don't need to pray. Yeah. We got it all right now. Right, right. And it's true. We have our personal authority as a believer right now. But our, our unsaved neighbor doesn't. Right. You don't have to work for your personal authority, but you got to work for your neighborhood to get personal authority right. and the breakthrough in their lives. Mm -hmm. You've got to pray and fast. Mm -hmm. But we've had such a move against prayer and fasting. Yeah. The church was prayerless. Mm -hmm. Didn't know. I mean, most of the revival churches I go to have, you know, a 30-minute prayer meeting a week. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is, God's got to turn this thing around. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say the third thing is, Honestly, if we're going to be honest, the prophetic got indicted in this, in this COVID-19. Yes, yes. We need correct prophetic yes. perspective. And if we're honest, most of the prophetic voices coming out that said this would be over shortly were wrong. Mm -hmm. They were just wrong. Mm -hmm. And they would say, this is not God's storyline. And yet God is sovereign over all the nations. Mm -hmm. There was real theological and, and prophetic confusion. Yeah. We had so much being said in the name of God that didn't reflect neither biblical theology or any understanding of church history and how the church has approached mm -hmm. crisis and seen crisis. Yeah. You know, we had everyone stand up and say, God's breaking in and this is going to lead to this, this, and this, and it's nothing and it'll be gone a million people later, seven months later. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's just be honest. Right. And a lot of it was tied to elections. Yeah. Not even to the gospel. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah. Where's the gospel? Mm -hmm. We're in a global village now. The November's going to be gone and whoever's president i'm still going to be living the gospel amen i'm still going to be trying to win democrats and republicans to jesus mm -hmm. because both are not reflecting his heart very well mm -hmm. these days mm -hmm. and so it's like I, I know that's so controversial for me to say this no I, we're, we're but, on that but team. I, I just want i'm to in 100 most people were wrong uh -huh. yes there is 
there isn't. And then a, they blame yeah. God in the Bible on right. them being wrong. Right. There is not no. a clear prophetic voice that that people can rally around because it's truly prophetic. It most of what is being done and said brings division and suspicion, and people are throwing rocks everywhere. Yes, and it's terrifying. And so I think we've been. God is trying to give us clear perspective. Yes. You know, it, Isaiah 6 does the same thing. Mm -hmm. Isaiah has been a prophet for decades. He's enamored by Uzziah. He wrote his memoirs. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah 6, it's, it begins with, in the year that King Uzziah died. Well, King Uzziah died because in his pride, he got leprosy. God used a disease mm -hmm. to get hold of the prophet's mm -hmm. unclean speech. Isaiah was enamored in the political process and the king and God goes, your speech is unclean and you need to get your eyes off an earthly king and put them on the Messiah. Who's the king of king, whose glory covers the earth and lets him see Jesus and cleanses his wrong political speech so he can see rightly. And you know what he's got to see rightly about God's judgments on the earth. So let me just, how old do you think Isaiah was at in Isaiah 6? Do you have a... I would say he's probably in his 20s or 30s. Okay, let's just give him, he's 30 years old, and he's he's a, a vo has a voice with the king, right? He is a prophet in the nation. So that, I mean, he's got the biggest... In order for the king to entrust you to write his memoirs, yeah, totally. you have to be a powerful vessel. Yes. So he's 30 years old. And he has got a killer Instagram, one of the biggest prophetic voices in America at that time. Like it, the okay, the prophetic so voice. the prophetic voice. He would be the equivalent of Billy Graham, but in the prophetic office to the king. Okay, and so Uzziah dies at thirty years old. Let's say the Lord comes and confronts him and says, "You're not speaking what's on my mind." Because here's the issue, exactly, Dwayne. Here's the issue: when you read Isaiah. Everyone thinks that Isaiah 6 should have been the first chapter because all the prophets get anointed mm -hmm. in chapter 1. Right, right. But Isaiah gets anointed in chapter 6, which means the Lord is indicting the prophets of the land for their unclean speech. It's always going to get bigger. It's going to get better. We're going to overcome. And the Lord says, you didn't understand the last 10 years I gave you of Uzziah's leprosy. Wow. I gave him leprosy because he was proud, dependent on his military, proud over his economic success. He and and in his pride, he thought that was the answer mm -hmm. and I gave him leprosy. Mm -hmm. I gave him a disease to show you on the outside what the heart of the nation was like on the inside. Wow. But you were not willing to reflect and repent and you kept the party line going, yeah. and you prophesied all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I raised up Assyria, and Assyria is going to be a serious Problem. course correction Come on. to your vision, Isaiah, mm -hmm. and you've had unclean speech. I've got to cleanse your speech before I can use you for the rest of the book, mm -hmm. which is going to be about how God uses tragedy shaking to purify his people mm -hmm. and to bring forth a remnant. So, I, you know, I feel like we're in a similar day yeah. where God is inviting the prophets to clean speech. Mm -hmm. You say, Alan, are you saying they're false prophets? No, I know many of these people and love them dearly. Totally. Mm -hmm. 
Totally. But I think they're wrong. And I think they're wrong because they cannot discern the hour, nor do they understand the church history and theology enough mm -hmm. to be clear. Yeah. And we need clean speech. We need God to cleanse the prophetic mm -hmm. and root us in the gospel again. Because the good news is he gave it to the whole world. So we ought to break out of our weaponizing right. for a national election and ask, what is God saying to the whole world? Right, right. And so anyway, and then the racial tension broke out. And expose the hardness of our heart. Yes. yes. We entered yes. into the public debate again. Yes. Do blacks deserve it? Do they have the same rights now? And do we, they're not recognizing that there's not systemic rights. We went into the public debates, and I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but we couldn't even hear our black brothers and sisters in their pain. Absolutely. Right. And I'm not talking about secular blacks. Right. I, I mean, no, in the body of Christ. No, in the body of Christ. friends yeah. who have been laboring for 30 years in the black community and are tired yeah. and yes. broken yeah. and hopeless. And we couldn't even hear them. Yes. Yeah. And so 100%. I would go places and the pastor would start talking to me about reparations and monuments torn down. And I, and I would just stop and go, wait a minute, your response to our black brothers and sisters mm -hmm. doesn't depend on any of that. hundred percent. First John says, if your brother's in need, yep. like, you're debating reparations. Uh -huh. You see your brothers in need. You should get everything, everything you have to them. Yes. If you don't, how can you say you love God who you can't see and the neighbor whom you do see, you don't help. Yeah. So I'm, my point is, is we are asking, we're entering into all kinds of national political debates. Should I wear the mask? Should I protest? Uh -huh. Should I get on a knee? Should I stand? Uh -huh. Well, I, my dad died for this. And you don't, I mean, it's just, we are off the rails yes. on every, and then we hold worship events and prayer events, not for repentance, prayer and revival, but to protest against the government can't tell me not to meet. And I'm going, wait a minute. Yeah. We don't ask questions as the church anymore. Yeah. We ask political questions right. because we want to win the culture war without being conformed into the image of Jesus. It's terrible. We yeah. need to repent. Yeah. We've got to get back to church. Yes. Church, Jesus, Bible. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait for February to come. So this election stuff is out of the way so we can ask church questions again. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Like, what is Jesus saying about the church right now? Yeah. What is Jesus saying? And so I'm, I'm disturbed. Yeah. We've been indicted. Yeah. You know, our lips are unclean. Our hearts are hard. We're prayerless. Having prayer events over the wrong things right now. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, yeah. we're calling sacred assemblies, but we're not doing the first part, which is rending our hearts tearing our garments, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. fasting, repenting. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I think it's been an invitation we have yet to see mm -hmm. if we're going to respond. I'm not sure we've responded actually. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I think I we've had pockets of response. I, I I'm not sure. Right. You and, and I both are on these zoom, big zoom things everywhere. And I'm not sure if we have. Yeah. And, and I, I personally feel the indictment 
because I felt more in tuned in the early days of everything that was going on because it was so new. It was shocking. There was a sense of God, what are you doing? Search me, know me, expose everything. But now here we are seven months later and I have adapted to the new normal and yeah. that's not okay. Uh, and I'm going, right. goodness sakes, Jennifer, this is, this is your problem. This is my problem. And it, it, it's systemic globally, but it starts with an individual heart. And I'm recognizing I'm not doing what the Lord wants me to do. I'm not And the listening. new normal is I don't have to wear my mask when I don't want to. Right. I don't have to meet. I don't have to right. go by restrictions. I don't have to. I don't. I don't. I don't. Right. And it's just this. It's a smoke a screen. Yeah. Have you even cried? Yeah. Yes. About the family that lost seven out of nine people to right. COVID in a moment. Right. Have you wept yeah. over their souls? Yes. So I don't know if we care for souls. I, uh-huh. Political power. Yeah. And military might and keeping our stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm, I am terrified that the Lord is looking down, inviting us into correct perspective because it's just beginning. Yeah. You and I know mm -hmm. it's just beginning. Mm -hmm. God has said clearly, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and dry land. I will remove everything that is not of the kingdom. Yep. That's not just Old Testament. That's Hebrews 12. Yep. I will shake it all yep. before the coming of the Lord. And so the shakings are going to come. Yep. And are we ready? Right. It does feel apocalyptic. That's how you opened it. It yep. does. Because they're the birth pains. They're the precursory. This was nothing. You know, as China's rising, it's one of the hottest spots for the gospel. Do we love our Chinese brothers and sisters? Or are right. we more enamored over trade deals right. that leverage our power as, a, as the primary nation? Here's why I'm saying this. Unless we get clear on the difference between the gospel and Jesus' church and nationalism, we're going to keep tripping up over these things. 100%. We're, we, we don't know how to. We're going to make the same mistakes as history when, you know, on both sides of the Civil War line, Methodist preachers were preaching the gospel. Both sides were having revival and baptizing thousands. They were singing the same songs at night, then waking up and marching 10 feet across from each other and blowing each other's heads off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how, how do we... How do we as Christians navigate the difference between government, gospel, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. nationalism, the one new man? Yep. Because the Lord is clearly inviting us into the one new man. If anybody should have racial reconciliation and global empathy, it should be the church. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just, blah, I, I realized I was intense. I it was praying intense, before though. I came on, Lord, yeah. make me tender when I say these things mm -hmm. uh, uh, and course correct my own life. But I'm, I'm afraid the window's closing of this gift. Yeah. And we're not responding to it. Right. So I, I would say, you know, I think the Lord is inviting us to personal and corporate repentance and prayer. Mm -hmm. We could see a mighty revival personally and corporately if we turn to God right now. Yeah. But it clearly says Hosea 10 verse 12, break up your follow ground, seek the Lord until he comes. Mm -hmm. We got to break up that follow ground. If we don't, 
if we don't teach the body of Christ how to wait in repentance, mm -hmm. how to sit in sackcloth and ashes mm -hmm. for a little while, yeah, six months isn't that long in a 70-year life, so in a little while. No, that's where— And ask the Lord. I'm 100% there because I feel like— <clears throat> Um, podcast we did a couple weeks ago um, was around Second um, Chronicles seven and how and then Joel that was Joel, that template that the Lord kind of put yeah. a stamp on Joel walked out and and just that place of actually staying there uh -huh. and yes. actually taking time and so even in our church here a local church here I've been I wanted I had you know, a couple of weeks ago, I encouraged, and I want it for the rest of the fall. Let's not get out of these uncomfortable place too quickly. Um, yeah, that's right. And, and because, you know, we're, uh, we're going to release this in a couple of weeks actually, but just last night, you know, I mean, just yesterday afternoon, Ruth, Ruth Gator, what's her name? <laughs> Ginsburg. Bader Ginsburg. Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. I mean, she, Hi. she, she died yesterday and, to me, like if we were to say, what is one thing that could intensify the outrageous heat that is on this nation? It would be the, a Supreme Court justice and a battle over a Supreme Court justice. I mean, to me, this was like a little, a little bit more gas thrown on the division in this nation. And I don't think it's going to get easier. And so oh, sure. I think that what you've just laid out that staying in this season of with with South sackcloth staying here let's not sure. get up tomorrow morning i had a good time at the altar i cried i'm gonna move right. on right. i think god goes no there's some foundational belief systems that i want to challenge yeah there's right. some foundational actually postures that you've been living i want to challenge mm -hmm. and and right. i feel that in my own life yeah. and i and and you and i but all of us all three of us we want the best for our nation, right? Absolutely. We're going to vote. Oh right? my gosh! We want to vote according to righteousness. Hundred percent. But we, but we, we have, we have so seen that our vote is equal to personal righteousness. Yes. Our vote is equal to corporate righteousness. Right. Jennifer said that and got so much heat on it, but I think it's profoundly accurate. Like if I literally go before the throne of God. And I tell him, well, I successfully in my day got four Supreme Court justices in. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what Jesus is going to measure me by <laughs> predominantly no. in, at the throne no. judgment seat. It's going to be, did I live the gospel? Right. Yeah. Did I believe the gospel? Did I live the gospel? Did I live according to New Testament commandments? And so I want to be an active citizen. Yeah. I want to vote. If anyone clearly asks me on an issue, I want to be able to articulate it yes. and say it. I'm a patriot. I believe you and I both, all of us know, because we do international ministry. Mm -hmm. After we've been somewhere where it's oppressive and the people are locked up, when we touch the soil, we kiss the ground yeah. and go, you know, we got a lot of issues, but my gosh, we've got some foundations by which we can reform, mm -hmm. get better, and the amount of choice and individual freedom is off the charts. Yep. We kiss the ground and go, so I'm, I'm, you know, don't strike me as some anti-patriotic person. I vote every time. And where you remember in the prayer room, I'd come in with, I have <laughs> I voted. I yeah. voted. The first one in there telling the young people to do it. Yeah. But I'm not getting confused mm -hmm. 
that my citizenship is here and not in heaven. Right, right. And there are bigger things that we have to reflect on. Yeah. Which is, am I living the gospel? Yeah. You know, I can't imagine being a church right now and not having multiple corporate prayer meetings all week long. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. We, we're praying for the election, but have we prayed for revival, yep. repentance, mm -hmm. the church to be restored mm -hmm. to New Testament standards? So anyway, I, I, I wanted to clarify that point, but we've got, we've got to stay there, like you said, Dwayne. Yeah. We've got to learn to stay there in the uncomfortableness of repentance yeah. Yeah. and waiting yeah. Yeah. and get our perspective. And, yeah. you know, if God in his sovereignty chooses that our nation is no longer the primary nation, if we enter a, a trough of real poverty and oppression, can I love Jesus in the midst of it? Right. Can I see souls saved? Right. And right. We, you know, I just, I just think God is trying to give us new eyes yes. in 2020. Yes. The so, window's closing, though. I feel it in my spirit. Uh -huh. It's like, oh, God gave us. When does God give you paid leave? Right. Totally. Four, right. Four months? Yes. Did we read the Bible? Uh -huh. Did we pray? Yeah. Did we get his heart? Mm -hmm. Did we turn to him? Yeah. Are we helping our black brothers and sisters? Mm -hmm. Are we really? Mm -hmm. You know, I looked at my giving and went, the Holy Spirit said, well, how are you, how is that reflecting your black brothers and sisters need right now? Mm -hmm. Who are the ones in ministry you need to get behind and, mm -hmm. and help? And I just think he's inviting us into something. And yeah. I just hope we don't miss the window right now. It feels like we're getting tired of being in our homes and we're tired of the government restricting us because we're Americans and we're going to make all the prayer and worship events about that. Yeah. Yeah. And now you just said it. Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg is going to be the flashpoint for more animosity. It's going to turn up the heat on this election. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we do this? So Alan, I, I'm in pain about it. Is yeah. what I'm saying. I'm not, I, if I've come across as I got the answers, no, that, I don't I, I'm in pain. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I feel I'm on the chopping block. Yes, I agree. You know, I, I, the Lord. And, I, and that's what I'm hearing. But what, what questions should we be asking as we sit before the Lord? Like practically someone that maybe doesn't even have a prayer room accessible to them, what should they start asking the Lord to, to, to reveal? Well, I think we have to first stop. Yeah. We have to first just stop <laughs> and listening to the multitude of voices. Like I, I turned off a lot of my favorite mm -hmm. conservative blogs mm -hmm. and a podcast mm -hmm. and news sources and just stopped, mm -hmm. stopped it and begin to ask the Lord, okay, I'm going to pray daily yeah. for you to reveal things in my heart and for you to surface anything that's not pleasing to you. And I went on literally, I'm in, I'm trying to do that on an almost daily basis. And I want to be honest, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It feels weird. You don't know what to do, but to wait. Yeah. I feel like waiting in silence is part of the repentance. It's good. Just getting my speech clean, mm -hmm. getting quick not to speak, but to get in tune with what the Spirit's saying. And then I think if we were to do a one, two, three, four, uh, you know, 
repentance, we have to break up our follow ground. And breaking up, there's, you know, we have to prepare mm-hmm. for revival. God doesn't owe America a third great awakening. Uh-huh. You know, and, and I, I mean that with all reverence. He doesn't owe us. Most nations only get one. Mm-hmm. We've got so many. Mm-hmm. The fact that we could even say, give us a third great awakening, mm-hmm. like Wales, we call it the Welsh revival. We don't call it the first great awakening in Wales. Mm-hmm. It's only got one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got, it's, totally. It's like, so I, I think I would say this, and it's from Evan Roberts in the Welsh Revival. He was asked, what does America need to do to see revival? Can you imagine that? And this man that saw over 100,000 saved in four months answered, and he said, if America wants to do, wants to have revival, it must do the Second Chronicles 7.14. There is a place of preparation before you can see revival. Saying to America, now this was the last great move. We call it the Pentecostal outpouring, the Welsh revival. We've had the charismatic renewal, the healing revivals, the Jesus movement, but nothing like like the Pentecostal outpouring and the Welsh revival. Nothing like it in the world. So he said to us, he said, you need to, number one, you need to repent of everything the Holy Spirit brings to mind. Mm-hmm. Everything the Holy Spirit brings to mind. Ask the Lord to convict you, and anything the Holy Spirit brings to mind, repent of it immediately and make reparations. Mm-hmm. So if you've stolen, give back. Mm-hmm. If you've this, that, that, you know, make it right with God and man. That's number one. Imagine us corporately and individually beginning a journey asking God to reveal everything that is not pleasing to him. Mm-hmm. Number two, any gray areas, remove them. If you want revival, gray areas are not optional. Mm-hmm. Anything that's in the gray, just do away with. Anything that you go to do or say that you go, oh, I wonder if that's, just get rid of it. In other words, pursue holiness with all your might. Mm-hmm. Number, number three, you know, are we are we sharing the gospel regularly? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if the American church was that inventory, do you share the gospel regularly? Right, right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. My goodness. Yeah. That, that, that right there is, is powerful. Mm-hmm. Powerful. And then number four, implicitly obey the Spirit's voice immediately and without limitation. He said, if you do those four things, God will come with a revival. That's individually. Mm -hmm. I would say corporately, the church has got to begin to pray again. Mm -hmm. It's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Mm -hmm. We've got to begin to pray. You know, the Southern Baptist Church used to meet on Wednesday nights and pray for revival. Mm -hmm. Now they pray over the sick. You got your sick list in the church. And I'm totally. picking on Southern Baptists. Yeah, I just totally. use them because my dad is Southern Baptist and my sister is. So I'm just Methodist. Where's the Methodist great prayer revivals? Mm-hmm. Where are they? Mm-hmm. Where are these prayer meetings? Mm-hmm. We should be crying out. And, um, you know, mask or no mask, we should be 
begin to fan the flame. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a revival of prayer in our nation again. Yeah. And I'm not talking about prayer events. Right. I love prayer events. I do them. I'm talking about the church of a hundred. Yeah. The mega church of 20,000. Where are our prayer events on a daily basis for the saints to go to? Mm -hmm. Where is the culture? Because without prayer, your heart remains hard. And even if the spirit convicts you, you probably won't do it. Right. The cost is too high. Right, 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 right. What if the spirit says, give all your money away to the little black church down the thing? Right. What if he says, turn it over to, the, I mean, mm -hmm. I, we've got to have prayer at the foundation or we're not even, we're not even in the game. Yeah. Yep. 100%. So, so anyway. No, that's good. I love that. And we've got to practice the one new man. It's the most, it is the most powerful force in the world is when the church loves one another mm -hmm. by this, the world will know that the father sent me. Mm -hmm. And so that's some things. And, and then I've, I've talked too much. I already feel conviction. I, I, <laughs> I've talked too much, you know, No, um, you answered our questions. This is what we asked you to do. So don't, don't be feeling guilty. I liked it. No, but I, I need reform in my own life, you know, oh, and, that, and I'm the sorry. tragedy reminds you, you of my little, my little struggles need to be put out. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Am I caring for the sick? And, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, am I caring for my black brothers and sisters? Mm -hmm. Do I, does it bother me? Does ecology bother me? Mm -hmm. Does it bother me that the forest of California might not recover? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, does it bother me how I live mm -hmm. before God and steward? his word and his creation. And I, I, I just find myself longing for and brokenness for a true move of God to restore the church, mm -hmm. a true move of God, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm afraid we're just going to see COVID as the gift to transform our platforms to, to the internet. Totally. And uh, we totally. really won't change. I hope that's not true. I hope America's got better days mm -hmm. and the hope for America is a church on fire. Yeah. Period. Period. If the church is on fire, it's good days for America. Absolutely. If the church is lethargic, compromised, yep. we win that we might win the cultural war for a decade or two, mm -hmm. but we might lose the spiritual war for the souls of men and women. Mm -hmm. Yep. So No, that's where I'm living. Alan, thank you. And, and yet I gotta make this qualifier. I'm Republican. I'm a conservative. <laughs> I'm against abortion. You know, it's like, it's so weird today. Uh -huh. You got to make those caveats. Totally. When you say the clear scriptural truths. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm ready for prophetic voices to rise up and offend everybody these days. Absolutely. And it's, everybody. And it's hard because I, because the caveats, you have to almost say them, but to get clarity to cut to have your voice cut through every other voice at least here's my position here's how i feel um these are fascinating times but alan thank you so much we i want to wrap it up but um, hey, can i say this one thing yeah. oh my gosh alan because i had covid oh that's right you know it yeah yeah yeah. a really bad case yeah for sure and you know what i found in the midst of it i got to love jesus mm. through a global pandemic mm. And I had to face whether I was really ready to meet the Lord because when it hit my lungs and I could not breathe, 
and thought I had to go to the emergency right away. Yeah. Uh, this was on day one. It yep. hit my lungs and took me out. Mm -hmm. I literally, it literally hit me and panic hit. Mm -hmm. And then I had to stop and go, am I ready to meet my maker? Hmm. And I went, what a gift. Hmm. I've got to get, I've got to do inventory now yeah. at a much more intense rate yeah. because I could meet him in seven to 10 days. Uh -huh. And I found myself going, I really love him. Hmm. I really know him. I could be with him. Yeah. And I found a calming, beautiful presence of Jesus in the assurance of faith. Mm -hmm. And um, man, I would never call that a gift. Yeah. But that was a gift in the midst of the, the terribleness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think God gives the world gifts or opportunities through tragedy to say, are we ready to meet our maker? Do we really love him? And, um, and I pray that we all will be able to say, yes, we do. Amen. And so I would say that even to those who are listening, man, we need to just return to first love. I found myself returning to first love, going, singing John Thurlow and Harvest Choir's song. <laughs> you know, he holds me in the palm of his hands. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can live through anything with Jesus. Mm -hmm anything so anyway i love you guys it's been a privilege can, to come on can you, you are amazing uh, can you actually just pray for us i want to finish yeah. it by just you praying father i thank you and lord even now i just i have a multitude of opinions and a multitude of high-mindedness and uh my heart is is hard i don't weep easily and i don't care quickly i don't listen well lord mm. so help me and help us yes father and lord give the church a gift yes would you cause us return to our first love would you make us holy as you're holy would we be holy and blameless before you in love mm -hmm. would you bring us together as one, as you and the Father are one, Jesus? Would you make us one? Would you make us radiant in righteousness? Yes. Would you, would you begin to restore your church, Lord? Would you make us ready for your coming? Would we discern that which is excellent and loving and good? Would we be set apart, holy and blameless, body, soul, and spirit to the day of your coming. Will we bear much fruit? Mm -hmm. So help come to your church, Lord, yes. all across the globe and set us on fire again. Yes. Light the fire again, God. Let us be a force to be reckoned with in any nation, mm -hmm. Lord, because of our love in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, Father, today, help us. Yes. Help us. Help us wait. Help us bow low, help us listen, mm -hmm. help us change, come to us by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I lift up every sincere believer that calls on your name. Give us a tender heart again. Yes, God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank, Thank you, you, Alan.
Oh, love you guys. Love you, man. Love you, man. Thank you guys so much for listening. Those guys stayed with us to the end. Um, and I would encourage you, if this spoke to you, and I'm positive it did um, to many of you, um, I would like you to actually encourage you to share this because, um, you know, this is what has been stirring in Jennifer's our heart. And I believe this, in my opinion, this is what the Bible is call, is speaking in 2020, our conversation. It's not the totality of it, but I believe mm-hmm. what you've just listened to and what you've just heard is what God is saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm sobered by this. And it's, you know, it's been what I feel is happening is what the Lord's doing as well. So, hey, man, God bless you guys and thanks so much. And we'll see you again soon.